What if the effort we make is to affirm the awareness of your true being as whole, perfect, and complete? And from there, we use our sovereignty and free will to make life-supporting decisions with clarity and brilliance. Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path. Together with wise friends and awakening teachers, we uncover the answers to our greatest questions. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Welcome back to A Curious Yogi for this special New Year's resolution new year's celebration episode it might not be the new year when you're listening to it but is totally fine because that is the freshness the brilliance the beauty of sadhana is that each and every day is a new day a new year a new opportunity to get curious and know ourselves as that ever pure free eternal being and with that I invite you to stay connected this year. If you haven't signed up for my newsletter, please sign up for my newsletter where I'll be announcing a fall retreat coming up, location TBC, and any summer offerings, summer programs. So please, 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 if you haven't connected on the newsletter, please do so, bobbypadel.com slash connect. And yes, we are connected in the space. So I want to start this episode by asking you, really asking you, have you explored the workings of your mind? And I could also say the workings of the mind, the whole mechanics of why you think, feel, act, move in the world the way you do. And not from the lens of psychology, which is also totally has its place and is equally as valid, but from a spiritual lens. Such a deep part of sadhana is observing, witnessing, watching, recognizing the ever-changing state of the mind or the mind as it's defined in yogic terms, the whole makeup of what's called ahantakaran, which is mind, intellect, and ego. So to put it kind of simply, the mind receives inputs from our five senses and decides what is what. This is black, that is white, or this is vanilla, not chocolate. And the intellect further divides this information with the decision of, well, chocolate is preferred over vanilla. And then the ego really crystallizes this duality with the false epiphany and identification that I Me, this individual person, is the one who likes chocolate and not vanilla. So you see, I've taken on that sense of I. And boom, the self-fulfilling prophecy that my perception of reality is truth and I need to uphold these ideas or situations or relationships to maintain this ever-changing idea of who I am. It happens to all of us, for better or worse, we are constantly caught in the web of likes and dislikes, 
Rag and dwesh in Sanskrit. Tra striving for what brings us happiness and pushing away what brings us uneasiness. You're not unique in this, neither am I. It's universal. It's the mechanism, the nature of the mind. It's what it means to be born into this whole maya or illusion of life. We are all born with this this mechanism of forgetfulness. And in the yogic scriptures, it's described that we're born with this mechanism of forgetfulness so that we can fulfill our purpose in life and know ourselves as that God consciousness, which is creating the whole lila, the whole drama. So the point of the sadhak isn't to go towards suffering and cry when it hurts. No, the sadhak or the one who practices sadhana or the yogi, many, many terms for you, that spiritual seeker, you are always making constant efforts for sattva, the quality of light or clarity through all the many paths and methods. But the real work is in watching the mechanism of the mind when it's suffering or discomfort or uneasiness naturally arises in that whole play of life. Because it will. Inevitably, someone will die. <laughs> you will die also, but even not as morbid. A job will be lost. A relationship will break down. Wealth will be misplaced. Or you'll be misunderstood. And this is something that happened to me recently which I'll come back to because there's no better way to put this theory, this philosophy, this daily practice to the test than with real-life discomforts. But first, let's talk about New Year's resolutions or resolutions in general. And I'll preface this by saying, hello, this is why sadhana works because we set a resolution, a goal, a resolve, a sankalp, which is the Sanskrit word for a thought which we become. We set this each and every day when we practice. So if you're already on the path of daily sadhana, keep going. You're already doing your New Year's resolutions. But anyways, this perpetuated belief that somehow when January 1 rocks around and I'll become the best version of myself yet. It's like the donkey with the carrot hanging on his nose, inevitably chasing the best version of myself. And then when it happens, when I achieve my goal, I have to sustain it. There's fear of losing it or gaining it back depending on your resolution or worse yet what happens if I don't reach my resolution then I'm back to the total loser I was on December 31st yet another external expectation guiding our internal experience it's not gonna work the real resolution is happening on each new day when we arrive where we are, accept where we are, and continue to practice remembering the truth of who we are. Not 
That's some individual personality that needs to be fixed, changed, upheld. How's that landing? <laughs> what might your world, your life, your relationships look like if your New Year's resolution was to simply know and love yourself? Just close your eyes and think about that for a moment. If you stopped trying to control this mystical existence and just let it be, what if the effort we make is to affirm the awareness of your true being as whole, perfect, and complete? And from there, we use our sovereignty and free will to make life-supporting decisions with clarity and brilliance, which naturally results. In Patanjali Yoga Sutras, the second pod, which is the, the pod or chapter about sadhana or the practical aspects of attaining self-realization, there is a beautiful verse, 42, which if you want to look it up, Patanjali Second Sutra, verse 42, which says, from inner contentment, the highest or supreme happiness is attained. Just think about that. From inner contentment, the highest or supreme happiness is attained. It doesn't say having your preferences met and ideas validated that the highest happiness is attained. Because what is highest happiness? The supreme happiness is that which is everlasting, unaffected by the highs and lows of the waking state mind. And yet the world will never reflect that truth to us. The whole world society is bombarding us with this false belief that happiness is attained once I attain gather, receive, attach, cling to a certain beauty ideal, a house, a job, a way of living, a relationship. Once I achieve those things, then fine, I'll be content. But that's not the supreme happiness because it's happiness arrived from a changing, unsteady world. Making the resolve to continually tap into the truth of yourself, and I'm talking about the self with a capital S, not yourself with the lowercase s, which is the individual self, but tapping into the truth of that highest self, which one can experience through meditation, contemplation, spiritual scriptures, spiritual practices, satsang, faith communities, so many paths. But once you resolve to tap into that, then naturally your life will change for the better. Your neediness will resolve. As we train the senses through these practices, we're no longer a slave to them. We can direct and experience and co-create with the force of life, which is animating this whole happening without the attachment, the suffering, the clinging to it. We all desire freedom, and yet we look everywhere except at our own self to experience it. So 
personal experience here, very recently I had a falling out with a good friend, someone I looked up to, I almost idolized, I loved her, I still love her, but someone I felt very much in oneness with. And because of a simple misunderstanding on social media, both of our minds perceiving with two different mechanisms operating in the same way we got against each other. No one was right or wrong. We were both disturbed and uneasy because of our own attachments, identifications, and conditions, which are all sanskars, the Sanskrit word for previous impressions, which affect us in the present. We were both so strong in our sanskars to believe that what we were each right, so naturally we got the other wrong. We got caught in duality. And I'll tell you why I'm sharing this, for me, terrible conflict with a friend. Because of the teaching behind it. Because of the power behind uneasiness that we feel in the world. If we look at it through the lens, through the view, for the scope of the watcher, the sakshi, the witness self. So it's been a big teaching I've had in a while. Because... My friend, in her anger towards me, showed me where I'm bound. My ego was exposed or illuminated and I was left standing there feeling helpless and small because of my attachment to who I think I am. I'm not justifying or spiritually bypassing cruelty. We all have a responsibility to treat others with kindness and compassion But to expect that from the world, to expect that from even your best friend, your partner, your mother, is totally delusional because at some point we will be met with unkindness. And it's so easy to feel hard done by, to accuse another of injustice when true compassion lies in knowing the bullshit that lies on top of the pure being is just bullshit. The illusion may take the form of a nice personality or a mean personality, but that's all subjective, changing, and a falsehood that can trap us. So big deal, you think. Someone saw something on social media, they got upset, I got upset, we had a fight. This is a normal happening of life, which you're right, it's true. And I'm sharing it. Not to demonstrate that social media creates conflict, because it does, which I'll talk about later. But to show you that true conflict arises in the mind. And that space of oneness and freedom, which we all desire, will never be truly expressed through the mind. Our mechanisms all work the same because as soon as I wake up in the morning, I pick up my name, I pick up my personality and all the stories and experiences which create the sense of me. And I'm going to spend the rest of my day resisting anything that goes against that and trying to uphold my sense of being somebody So I'm seeing this now through the sadhana of life, which 
sadhana doesn't just happen on a yoga mat or on a meditation cushion. Sadhana is from beginning to end, from the first breath to the last breath. We have a chance to observe and to explore and to really poke through the veil of illusion, which gets us feeling stuck. And that's what this situation did for me. I'm really seeing that the real work is, of course, I allow the story and the personality and the strengths and weaknesses which make up all the nuanced quirkiness, wonderfulness of me, fine. But my life, my, my work as a sadhak is not to negate that, but actually just to allow it all to rise and subside because there's nothing I can do to stop them anyways. Like try to stop breathing for 20 minutes, good luck. Try to stop beating your heart for five minutes, good luck. In that same way, I can't start or stop my personality from arising. It's God gifted, it's here for the karma. It's going to burn where it burns and it's going to shine where it shines. My power and sovereignty lies in me remembering that perfection lies deep within me as it does for my old friend. The only time we get stuck is when we forget that. And if we forget and get stung, well, perfect also because that's simply the brilliant perfect being inside reminding us to turn our attention away from the sense of separation and reflect that mirror back to ourselves looking inward internally into the unconditional bliss freedom oneness and compassion rooted in my or actually rather the whole existence this is the vivek or discernment which is the work of the yogi to discern and decipher between reality and illusion even though illusion at times can feel so real, so tangible. I just love the Littman's test of anything that is changing is unreal. It's unreal because it's changing. It's unreal because it's changing. And anything that is unchanging is the ultimate reality. So observe the crest of illusion for what it is and become the watcher, the witness of the whole mess and joy of life so you can actually be free from it. And in that freedom, you can come, you can go, you can play, you can do, you can act, you can live accordingly and the whole time remain free. Whoa. Now, as you can guess, this whole misunderstanding with my friend has naturally inspired me to really consider where attention is focused. Because if I want to reside in that true sense of peace everlasting, I have to put my attention on peace everlasting. It's so simple. If we put our attention on duality and anger and fear and resentment, then I'll feel separate and resentful and sad and alone. <laughs> It's just the nature of the waking state. And dear listener, I am telling you, I am not getting that peace everlasting or giving it for that matter from social media these days. I've loved growing my community and sharing my teachings online, 
But this whole happening, this whole misunderstanding with my friend is actually the perfect final straw for me to give myself the grace to step away from it. You might have heard me mention one of the niyamas from Patanjali of swadhyaya or self-study. It's meant to bring our awareness as the aspirant to study the self, to study God. And in that self-study, we include ourselves. And what we put our attention on counts as study. And in the time that we live in, in the world that we live in, it's so easy to put ourselves on anything but that highest self or God or peace space. Last week on social media, I shared one of my biggest lessons of 2023. And that really is that the peace that I've been chasing for more than two years now, I've kind of been obsessed with peace and conflict. But I learned so clearly this year that the only peace that comes and stays is the deep peace within. And it's like, duh, I know, but it's much easier to intellectualize it than to practice it. So my resolution this year is to take my lesson into action and break through the hypnotic cycle of peace-seeking and for yourself, you could insert joy-seeking, love-seeking, job-seeking, happiness-seeking, wealth-seeking, love, I already said love, relationship-seeking. To break through that hypnotic cycle of insert-seeking in a world that is ever-fluctuating, changing, evolving, fleeting, and ultimately decaying. The resolve is more attention on the free being and less attention on upholding my ideas of being someone to turn my heart, my focus, my inner eye toward my sadhana, toward guru, and towards peace. I just read in my exploration of social media and what it does to the mind and to the spiritual inspiration. I just read a Harvard article that said, Social media users spend an average of two hours and 27 minutes a day on apps like Facebook, Instagram, and X. Well, I checked out my statistics on my iPhone, and it turns out I'm pretty close to using those apps, including WhatsApp, for two hours a day. <laughs> like, that's crazy to me. When you calculate it up, just go check your phone, add it all up to the year. It's an insane amount of time. And I thought that's two hours a day I could be learning harmonium, practicing Swedish, studying scriptures, spending time in good company, walking in nature, preparing healthy food, journaling, etc., etc., etc. Like you get the point, right? So as I take a giant, big, happy leap off of social media for who knows how long, I really hope I'm able to use my time and effort to continue growing learning and loving this being that I am and showing up in my newsletter and showing up on this podcast in the meantime for sure. So I'll wind up with these beautiful words of Swamiji where he says, sadhana or practice is only relevant when you as your source are united to the whole and that is called yoga. I'm going to read it again. Sadhana or practice is only relevant 
when you as your source are united to the whole and that is called yoga. So that's what we're doing, dear curious yogi. And I'm curious to hear from you. What are you turning your attention away from and into for this new year, this new day ahead? Let me know how you are. Please reach out. Please connect on email, podcast reviews. Just hit me up. I love to stay connected. Even though I'm stepping away from social media, I hope to really foster and nurture the deep connections I have with this beautiful community of Sadaks who are turned on and tuned into the space. So lots of love and blessings for the beautiful year ahead. And I hope to meet you somewhere on the path. Lots of love. Amaram Ham Madram Ham Om Tat Sat Hediom Hediom Hediom. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groschler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.